I wanted to start off this morning um, with something a little different. So we talk a lot about prayer, and since we kind of have a smaller group today, I wanted to give everyone the chance to raise your hand and share if there's a prayer request or a praise report, and then I'm going to pray for them all um, from up here. So if anyone has a prayer request, we would love to just talk about it amongst our faith community so the rest of us can all be praying through the week. Um, and I know it's a little scary to raise your hand, um, but we'd love to be praying for you. So if there's any, oh, Michael. Okay, so we're gonna pray for a job for Michael. Yeah, Marquise. What's been bothering? Shoulder. Shoulder, okay. And what's his name? Christy. Yeah, wow. Anyone else? Jet? <laughs> okay. Tell us more. <laughs> Jeff, if people didn't hear that, Jeff caught a lot of lobster last night, so we know who to ask for lobster. Youth up there, do you guys have any, I hope, any prayer requests? What was that? Oh, a stray cat. Prayer request from Hope. Okay. <laughs> Anyone I'm missing? Oh, yes, Faith. Yes. Neighbor Kevin. Awesome. Uh, yes, Nicholas. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Any last ones before I pray? Alrighty. Oh, sorry. Angeline. Wonderful. So please bow your heads and join me in prayer as we lift up the requests of our community. God, we thank you that you see us and that you hear us and that you answer our prayers, God. You are faithful to us. So I lift up um, Michael, Lord, and we ask, God, that you would provide a new job for him, that you would provide for his family, that you would comfort him and be so near to him. And Lord, I lift up Marquise's father, Ron, and pray for his shoulder God, would you bring your healing touch to him? And Lord, I thank you for Christy and the way that she cares for the patients um, at the mental hospital, God. And Lord, I pray for these nurses and doctors that have been attacked. And God, I just pray that your peace would reign in this patient's heart and mind as it is in heaven. And God, we praise you for all the good things in our lives. And so we thank Jeff with you for an abundance of lobster. And we pray for his generosity to the church. <laughs> <laughs> and Lord, I thank you so much for Hope and how she's a wonderful part of our community and how much she loves animals. God, thank you for her compassion for animals. So we lift up this stray cat to you. And God, we also lift up their neighbor, Kevin, and pray, Lord, that you would just bless him with your peace and with your love. And Jesus, I lift up Nick's friends, Melissa, who's having surgery on Monday. And God, we just pray for her. We pray for the doctors, we pray for healing, we pray for comfort, and we bless her in Jesus' name. 
And Lord, I also lift up Adamus and her surgery and pray, God, um, for your healing and your power in her life. And Jesus, we lift up all of these prayer requests, and we know that you are faithful and that you are with us. We pray this in your powerful name. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you all. So, as always, I'm always excited and a little terrified when I get the chance to preach God's word um, because it's such a holy and sacred thing. And so I always spend the week or a few days before just really wrestling with God and asking what it is that he wants to share. And this particular week, I was very convicted um, as the rooted topic that we're talking about is sharing our story of God with others. So another word for that is evangelism. So when we tell others about Jesus. And so kind of the sermon title for today is Getting the Word Out, an invitation to embody and to proclaim the good news of Jesus. So to start us off, I want to ask, what is one or two things that you love talking about? That your family and friends, they're groaning like, oh man, Michelle's talking about that again. What are those few things? For me, I've probably talked with a lot of you about pickleball. So pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. It's for all ages and abilities. Um, It's very inclusive. There's open play. You can just show up and play with anyone. Um, It's really incredible. You guys should all play. And another thing I can't stop talking about is The Chosen. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It really opens up your eyes to Jesus and to the world of the New Testament and the Gospels. Um, I also can't stop talking about Trader Joe's seasonal items. So if you haven't gotten their scented candles, you need to get the cedar balsam candle. It will make your house smell like a Christmas tree. You have to do it. Um, And so when I was thinking about members in our community, I thought Jeff loves to talk about Star Wars books and lobster. Um, John loves to talk about football and Tom Brady. Patricia loves to talk about her Korean dramas. Some of you might be in love with your air fryer or Hallmark movies or your dog or cat. Um, Yeah, I saw Hallmark movies, okay. And oh yeah, I see a lot of hands for Hallmark movies. So even these small, like seemingly insignificant things, they get us excited and we wanna share about them with others. At least I do. Maybe if you're introverted, you might want to have like a long, quiet conversation with someone about it. But if it's something we like, we want to tell others. We want to share about it. And so this, of course, relates to our sermon this morning. Because as we grow in love with Jesus, as Jesus becomes more and more a vibrant part of our lives, We're not going to be able to help talking about him, talking about what he's doing, talking about the joy and the blessings and the challenges and the struggles of following Jesus. The more we receive refreshing, living water from Jesus, the more his love and light will just overflow in our conversations and our relationships. Jesus is the best possible news in the universe, infinitely better than Trader Joe's scented candles. So... Let's talk about him. If Jesus is part of our core and the substance of who we are, this will be evident. And so our rooted reading for the week, we're reminded that we are invited and commanded to share about Jesus, to share about the work of God in our lives with others, especially those who don't know God. And this job and this role, it isn't for super Christians like Claudia or 
Claudia's not here, but she's amazing and a super Christian. Or just for evangelists or people who have that spiritual gift. But telling others about Jesus is for every single one of us who want to be a Jesus follower. And so we see this when Jesus gives his disciples the Great Commission. So after he raises from the dead, he brings his disciples to a mountain in Galilee, and they go up, and this is what he says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As followers of Jesus, we are sent out to make disciples, period. We are called to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to introduce them to our friend and Savior Jesus, and to train them in the ways of Jesus which are so different than our world. Confident that Jesus is with us, that Jesus promises to be with us till the very end of the age. Paul continues to encourage followers of Jesus to get the word out about Jesus in his letter to the Romans. So chapter 10 starts out with Paul's fervent prayers and desires that the Israelites would be saved. And Paul says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in verses 14 through 15, Paul reminds Jesus' followers of our important and significant role in proclaiming the good news of Christ to those who are far off, to those who don't know Christ yet. So Paul says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. As Christians, we have access to the best possible news in the universe, and we are commissioned to share that with others. This is a powerful, humbling, and slightly terrifying calling. Normally, at this point in a sermon or Bible study, I would want to bring out the popular and misattributed St. Francis of Assisi quote, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. But as I wrestled with God, really wrestled, with God and the rooted readings this week, I felt convicted that of the importance of proclamation of the gospel. The Greek word um, evangelion actually means good news. And good news is meant to be talked about, meant to be shared, meant to be proclaimed. I'm reminded of a story of previous coworkers of mine at a jail and recovery ministry. And so their names were Bob and Gracie, and they started their ministry in Honduras. And so they went there, and they wanted to start an agricultural revolution for the peasant farmers there. And so they used the quote, and they said, we want to preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. And so they helped peasant farmers learn these new farming techniques. And then Bob and Gracie at night would be sitting in their home um, doing a Bible study together. And then people started to notice and to ask them, like, hey, what are you guys doing in there? Like... Can we join? We want to learn about the Bible. Because in um, that area, 
the poor and the peasants weren't invited to church or they were excluded. And so Bob and Gracie had the good news of life and these people wanted it. Um, so Bob and Gracie talked about how God really emphasized that he loved the way they were changing the society and meeting people's tangible needs, but he was also inviting them to proclamation to help them study the word of God and to introduce them to Jesus. So you, we all might agree that according to scripture and maybe even our experience, proclamation and sharing of the good news, evangelism, is what we're called to do. But why, at least for me, is it so hard and potentially anxiety producing for a lot of us? I think it could be because we've seen some really shallow, anxious, and disingenuous examples of evangelism that were not rooted in the expansive love and vastness and abundance of God and for his people, and instead motivated by guilt, fear, and manipulation. Maybe we've seen people shouting in people's faces with bullhorns or treating the gospel like a sales pitch or magic formula or math equation or we've seen Christians just be weird and inauthentic, or people treating others like projects and problems to be solved rather than unique and beloved people created in the image of God. All of those negative experiences kind of leave a bad taste in my mouth and maybe yours too. However, God convicted me afresh this week that we can't throw the evangelism baby out with this murky bathwater. I was encouraged by a quote from a local church planner in Long Beach. And he says this in his book, Get the Word Out. God is not looking for burned out, guilt-ridden evangelists to change the world. There are enough of those folks doing their thing in the world. Instead, God is looking for people who are madly in love with his son, experience him as the best joy in all the world, and therefore cannot contain their joy in God. That is what it means to be sent as a witness. As Christians, we are called to get the word out about Jesus through sharing the goodness of God and how God has transformed our own lives, and especially sharing this with people who don't yet know God. So where do we start? How do we have a more compelling strategy and model for evangelism? We start, of course, with Jesus. This morning, we are going to model our evangelism after Jesus and his heart that absolutely breaks for the lost. And we will discover that Jesus' heart is humble, hospitable, and has a holistic focus. Not only can we learn from how Jesus treated people thousands of years ago, we can trust that Jesus is with us today and that he's got our back as we seek to share our story of God's love with others. So first, we see that Jesus was humble. Jesus self-identifies himself as one who is humble and lowly in heart. That's his very nature, the very essence of who he is. In Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus encourages his followers, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Jesus-shaped evangelism, there's no room for pride, feelings of superiority, 
thinking that we have all the answers, impatience, wanting to push our agenda, our timeline on people. There's no room for that as we follow Jesus. Jesus is such a fascinating, amazing person. He was a humble learner who genuinely loved people, and he built trust with them. He deeply listened to people and was genuinely curious about them. He asked evocative and profound questions that led people to self-discovery and to really engage with the meaning and beauty of life. Jesus is asked 183 questions in the Gospels, and he only answers three of them and asks 307 questions back. Um, so there must be something to Jesus' art of question asking. Jesus asks two blind men who are crying out for mercy, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe he wanted them to articulate their woundedness and neediness and to really tap into their hunger for God. Jesus asked the paralytic man who has been lying by the pool of Bethsaida for 38 years, hoping to be cured by a spirit that drums up the waters. And he asked this man, do you want to get well? Again, Jesus is seeking to tap into this man's deepest desires and longings. Jesus wants to pierce through our blind spots and our walls and get to the heart of everything. With the bleeding woman on his way to heal someone else, Jesus asks, who touched me? And of course, it's Jesus, so he probably knew. But he wanted to give a chance for this woman to step up and say, it was me, and get the chance to share her story and to be healed and restored to her entire community, to have her dignity affirmed and reclaimed. Jesus uses questions to encourage and sometimes to jar people into a fresh perspective or angle and to open them up to the kingdom realities or to further healing. When was the last time, like Jesus, we offered a really profound question to someone? Or think of if there was a time that someone asked you a really great question that made you stop and think and really get in touch with what was going on. I'm currently training to be a spiritual director. It's a two-year training, and our first class has been all about the power of listening. And one quote that has really stuck out to me is how much listening is just like loving someone. So the quote is, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they're almost indistinguishable. To listen deeply to someone is the same thing as loving them. So instead of coming into a conversation, anxiously waiting for our turn to speak and to share, to get off what we want to share, to pretend we have all the answers, imagine if like Jesus, we were deeply attentive to the other person, compassionate, curious, really wanting to know what makes them tick, and really sensitive to what God might be saying to them or to us, to be a hound for the Holy Spirit, looking where the presence of God is in everyone, and calling that out, proclaiming that when we see it. Imagine how much better our conversations might go. We can listen like Jesus to exactly where people are at and challenge, comfort, or ask questions based on who the particular person is, their circumstances, our relationship with them, and where the Spirit is leading. 
Jesus also demonstrates humility and his full dependence on the Father for everything, especially where to go and who to reach. When the Pharisees were outraged that Jesus healed the paralytic man on the Sabbath, this is what Jesus tells them. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus was constantly going away to quiet places to earnestly seek his father for direction and guidance. And how much more do we need to solely depend on God if we want to share the good news with other people? I believe that if we earnestly pray and intentionally pray and consistently pray and persevere in praying and ask God to lead us and guide us in our sharing, that our story of God's work in our lives can be a humble offering that God can really use to meet someone exactly where they're at. And the pressure is not on us to save anyone, that's God's job, but we can't discount the power of our story, the power of God's work in our lives and what that could mean to someone else. Practically, this could look like starting our day and asking God if there's someone that he wants us to have a holy conversation with, a specific coworker he wants us to really pay attention to, or a family member he wants us to reach out to and share good news with. My roommate, Kiara, is awesome and she's always challenging me. She's such an amazing follower of Jesus. And so I was reminded as I was preparing um, for this sermon of her and her life. And so a few years ago, a mentor of hers encouraged her to pray and ask God, God, who do you want me to share the good news of Jesus with? And so God brought someone to mind and Kiara reached out to them and ended up starting um, a group with them where they just met every week to talk about faith. And this friend was able to ask questions and learn more. And Kiara just met her friend right where she was at. But if she hadn't asked God, if she hadn't extended that invitation, she wouldn't have known that this friend was hungry and open and ready for good news to change her life. And then a few months later, another old friend also was starting her journey of faith and wanted some accountability. So those two joined that friend and then I hear them every Monday night now um, doing their little Zoom meeting, and now they switch off leading the group because um, Kiara has spent two years with them teaching them how to study the Bible every Monday night. Um, so giving her time and not being afraid to invite people to know Jesus, which I just think, go Kiara. I hope Kiara, my roommate, is watching. Um, <laughs> so as we earnestly seek God about opportunities to share our story, we can remember Jesus's example of humility and that sharing good news is not about getting in people's faces, we all know this, being abrasive or having all the right answers, or it's not even about being perfect in our walk or having finished our walk with God or what we've been experiencing. We're all beginners forever, we're all still learning but it's about partnering with God because God is on the move and God wants to use us to touch others' lives. God wants to bring so many people closer to himself and actually wants to use us in the process, which is pretty amazing. So it's all about humbly listening to and building trust with others and intentionally seeking and then actually obeying 
the prompts of the Holy Spirit. That's the hard part. <laughs> Sometimes I can hear it, but actually obeying. So not only was Jesus humble, he was incredibly hospitable. People who were notoriously far away from God were drawn to Jesus. Luke 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's where it's all about all the parables of the lost coin, the lost son, the lost sheep. And there's so much celebration and so many parties after every parable. It talks about how they had to rejoice and they had to be glad because someone who was lost was now found. And so the beginning of that chapter starts with the verse, a really simple verse that always catches my attention. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. What was it about Jesus' heart and manner that drew tax collectors and sinners to draw near to him and to gather around him with such confidence? I'm always struck by that. Tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around. There must have been something so warm, so inviting, so hospitable that people sensed. They must have sensed deep, genuine love and compassion and authenticity for these most despised people of society to come close, to come near, to gather around Jesus. The Pharisees, we see, are particularly disturbed and offended by this. They grumble and say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Not only does Jesus share words of life and healing and deliverance and hope with sinners, but he has dinner with them. One of Jesus' main modes of ministry was sitting down, having a meal with a motley crew. Jesus would go to weddings, go to dinner parties, accept invitations from questionable people, and lived life with people who were far from God. So this inspires me to be more intentional about who I invite to my dinner parties and to reflect on what types of people are drawn to me. Do I have a welcoming and hospitable heart of Jesus towards those who society doesn't welcome, who society or even the church might forget, ignore, or despise? Do my words welcome and attract or repel those who have been so wounded by the church and the world? Not to say our words won't challenge people and invite them to profound change, they will but our spirits and hearts should be filled with the abundant love and compassion of Jesus toward the lost. We should sense Jesus's great love for the lost and they should sense that in us. Jesus always chooses to exalt the humble and that is good news for you and I who are sinners and for anyone in our life who feels like they're too far off, too far gone, God couldn't love them. That's exactly who God loves and people need to know that. And how can they know unless we tell them that? So Jesus was also real. He was not fake. So this reminds us we don't want to make people projects. We don't want to have um, ulterior motives. So a book I was reading this week called The Art of Neighboring puts it this way. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. So it talks about the difference between ulterior and ultimate motives in building relationships. So ulterior is when something is intentionally kept concealed, so it can potentially be a little manipulative, and it's when we say or do one thing in the open, 
but mean or hope for a different thing in private. An ultimate, the book defines, is the farthest point of a journey. So an ultimate goal, it is an eventual point or longed for destination, something we hope for people. Examples are when a person goes to college hoping to become a doctor one day. Um, so the ulterior motive must, in being a good neighbor and loving people and being hospitable can't be to just share the gospel. But the ultimate motive is that everyone we know would know the story of Jesus and be impacted by his love and his mercy and that it would change their lives forever. But like Jesus, we are called to be hospitable and to love unconditionally, to invite people to our house, to pour into them without expecting anything in return. Finally, Jesus was holistic. He had a holistic perspective. The good news of Jesus affects us on every single level. It affects us personally and societally. Jesus touched and came near and healed lepers. He restored sight to the blind. He multiplied food for hungry crowds. He cast out demons that were tormenting people. He challenged and provoked religious leaders. He restored people back to life and to dignity and community. And he sought to bring shalom the holistic peace of God to every single aspect of people's lives. Jesus offered forgiveness, called people to repent and to turn away from sin. And Jesus invited them into a new way of living, a way of peace, a way of loving our enemies, a way of living shaped by the kingdom of God coming from heaven. Jesus cared about all levels, all layers of ourselves about people's bodies, souls, spirits, hearts, minds, and our life and community and even society. Jesus preached, taught, healed, delivered, forgave, and embodied good news with all of who he was. For Jesus, life in his kingdom is all-encompassing. There's no dichotomy between proclaiming good news and good deeds. We need both. Jesus agitated the complacent, confronted the power-hungry, and comforted the poor in spirit. Jesus mobilized the self-pitying and fearful people, and in the vein of his mother Mary's song, he called down the powerful and fed the hungry with good things. Jesus seeks to restore and redeem every ounce of brokenness, evil, destruction, and death through his life, death, and resurrection. The good news of Jesus, our Savior, is cosmic in scope. When Jesus died and rose again, the universe was altered forever. God came in Jesus as a humble baby to live a life of compassion and mercy, to die on a Roman cross, scorned by his friends and his enemies, and to raise again victorious over death and sin, and everything that leads to destruction of our world. God came to save us from that and to redeem the entire cosmos. So how can we not talk about this with others? How can we not share this good news? And this vast cosmic God not only does that, but that God comes close to us, that God comforts us, that God redeems us individually, that God reminds us of who we are, and what our identity is, that God gives us purpose, that God brings life where there is death, 
This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we serve. And this is the God that we get to tell others about. That those who are far off from God, that's exactly who Jesus loves. That's exactly who Jesus attracts. And so we have an incredible calling, and we are not left alone. God is the one who goes before us. We have the Holy Spirit who reminds us of everything Jesus has taught us. We have the Holy Spirit who knows exactly where every one of our friends and family members is at and who loves to orchestrate conversations and beautiful encounters. And so wherever we're at in our journey of sharing our story, let's remember to look at Jesus and his model. Let's emulate his heart of humility, hospitality, and his holistic perspective. I encourage all of us this week as we're going through our rooted notebooks to really spend time savoring and just thanking God for his presence in our lives, really reflecting on the ways that God has changed us personally. And as we reflect on that, we will better know how to articulate that and how to share that with others when God is inviting us to. And the more active and vibrant our relationship with Jesus is, the more we have to share about all the things Jesus is doing in our lives. So I'm not going to let myself off the hook, and we can't let you guys off the hook either. So we've got to commit to sharing God's word and God's good news in a tangible way this holiday season. We could start by throwing a dinner party or block party. I, I don't think the Gearhearts, well, some of the Gearhearts are here, but they throw, I know the grandparents throw an awesome block party for their neighbors. We could, I think Robbie and I are going to start a Growing With God group for people in the neighborhood that are curious about learning more about God. You could be like my roommate Kiara and ask God if there's a friend you have who is seeking God, and you could ask if they want to meet to talk about faith. Often people are more open than we realize. We can be open to how God might use us at a family dinner to sow seeds of peace and love, to pray the blessing over the meal, to pray the grace. Um, to ask how people are doing and to really listen and to pray for them if they're going through a crisis. It's exciting how God will and wants to use us to share the good news of Jesus with the world. So I invite us to go out this week um, with great expectation that Jesus is with us and that he wants to use us to proclaim his good news in both words and deed to a dying and broken world. We have such a beautiful God and a beautiful hope, and so I invite us all to share that. May it be so. Amen. So I invite everyone to stand for the blessing. So in the name of God the Father who sent his Son to die for us, to love us while we were still enemies, and in the name of Jesus shows us and modeled what hospitality and humility and compassion look like and in the name of the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live and embody the good news of Jesus in the world would you go forth this week open to all the invitations of God to share and proclaim the good news of Jesus so go in peace living spring and have a great week